What's going on, Tico Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got Kevin, Stevie P coming at you. What's going on, Steve? What's going on, Kev? What's going on, world? All right. So today we are going to do some mid-round value picks based on uh, uh, fantasy football calculator ADPs. So we're going to go from round four through nine, maybe four through eight, four through nine, somewhere around there. And just give you some guys in each round that we think are good value picks and, you know, guys that, you know, could potentially break out. So, for instance, you know, just basing it on last year, you know, a good val- a good breakout pick would have been Chris Godwin. I think he was going in like the fourth or fifth round last year and he wound up being the number two wide receiver. It's a breakout pick. Um, value pick would have been Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was you know, been good forever, but last year was probably his best season. And he was another guy going in the fourth round last year. So, you know, those, those are just, you know, just different weight, different definitions, but just like I said, different value picks that we like in the fourth through eighth or ninth round, depending on where we are, where we are at with time. Yes, sir. So we are going to start in the fourth round and Steve and I were just talking about the fourth round. The fourth round is actually packed with guys that we actually like. Yes. Uh, first off, Steve, uh, 401, the first pick in the fourth round is Allen Robinson. I know you love that. Yes, I love that. Um, for me personally, I have Allen Robinson in my top five. I'm our top 10 uh, at the wide receiver position. So, and we are going to put up our ranks tonight. So if you guys, you know, want to check out our ranks, mine and Kevin ranks will be up tonight. Dan's will probably be up by next week, I believe he said. So we will see how that works out. But our ranks of the top 150 players will be up tonight. Uh, the top 150 players consist of just strictly players. So we didn't do uh, defenses or kickers. They're not in our top 150. Uh, we will do a separate you know, whole different little thing for defense and kickers, because honestly, we just wanted to get hit on the basic, you know, guys that we like in our top 150. So Allen Robinson for me is a top 10 wide receiver, like especially if Nick Foles is the quarterback there. If Nick Foles is the quarterback there, I don't know if you guys all remember what Alshon Jeffrey was doing with <laughs> Nick Foles in the playoffs, but if I don't, hey. I like Alshon. He is not Allen Robinson. Alshon Jeffrey is not as good as Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. (laughs) Yes. Allen Robinson is way better than Alshon Jeffrey, period. So for me, Alshon Jeffrey getting a Nick Foles that we all saw in the playoffs, you know, we'll take the deep shots. He's accurate over the middle, you know, kind of everywhere that Allen Robinson, you know, made guys pay last year. I think Nick Foles can get him the ball in, in space. And Allen Robinson is a guy that I love to get in the fourth round. All right. So my first guy is actually 402 and I've never seen him drafted this low in any, in any, uh, on any platform except, fantasy football calculator but is dj Moore? uh to me dj Moore got put in an even better system than he was in last year when he was an animal um uh, you know now this this offense is quick hitting they want to get the ball out of teddy's hands fast last year he did all that with kyle allen at quarterback with will greer at quarterback teddy is not the greatest of quarterbacks but he is much better than those two guys i just named so when you th- you add to the fact that he has a better quarterback and a system that's 
really works to his advantage because he's so quick off the line and, and may has that first step that, you know, that are that initial, you know, wiggle to get free. You know, I think DJ Moore is in, you know, a great position. And if he's dra- falling to the, fo- he's not falling to the fourth round in my drafts that I can guarantee you that if I'm drafting, he will not be there in the fourth round for you to get. Yep. Yep. All right. So why don't you bring up your next uh, player that you want to talk about, Steve? All right, it's so fourth, there's another fourth rounder. We we're probably going to go one around after this, but the fourth round we were talking just has a lot of guys that we like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, there's two guys that I want to talk about, but I'll just give one more. And to me, it's Raheem Mostert. The other guy, I'll just say his name is DK Metcalf at the end of the fourth. You know, four ten. But to me, Raheem Mostert, I think he's going to be the guy. I, I mean, I, I think he's. I agree. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. And I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be a split the way people think. I think he's going to. He showed in the playoffs that he was the guy for that team. It, it wasn't a split. You know what I mean? Like he was getting thirty carries while everybody else on the team is getting 20, like two, three, four touches. I mean, I don't. Do I think that's going to be the workload during the season? No, because they need him for the playoffs, and I think the 49ers know they're a playoff caliber team. They got a really good defense. They have a really good, you know. Everything about the 49ers is it's just a really solid team. So they know they need Raheem Mostart, you know, in the in the, you know, for the playoff run. So, but I could easily see this guy getting 225 to 250 touches, and I don't think that's a stretch. And what what the production he had last to end last season, I think that's a steal in the fourth round. He to me, you know, I've seen him go as late as the fifth round in my mock drafts that I've been doing. So if I can get him, you know, in the fourth round, it's you know it's crazy. And the only time I don't take him in the fourth round is when you know the other day I seen him go in the fifth. I was the eleventh uh, pick in the fourth round, and Todd Gurley was still sitting there. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that's another one. It's like I, I, I don't know if you did it. What platform you did that on? ESPN. If it was calculator. ESPN. ESPN. See, like, I don't even know. Like, some of these platforms are just—they really need to update based on their, I guess their, their, you know, their rankings that they have, like, yeah, or something, man. Because somehow these, they're, these platforms are getting messed up. You're not lying. So you know, I took Gurley over over Mostert, but. I could see the argument to say, hey, I want Raheem Mostert over Todd Gurley. I could definitely make that argument. But, you know, to me, in the fourth round, you're not going to get a better running back than Raheem Mostert, except maybe the guy that Kev's about to talk about. Yeah, um, I do want to touch on Mostert because I've talked about him as well and how much I love him as well. Uh, Let's just look at it from this perspective also. Matt Breda had 123 carries last year, despite – Mostert and Coleman and Matt Breda is no longer there. So you're now talking about 123 carries. I know Jarek McKinnon. I talked about Jarek McKinnon on he, on the podcast. Um, I think he's going to just be kind of a, um, if Mostert gets hurt, I believe McKinnon is the guy that will replace Mostert before they just give all the work to Coleman, because I think that I don't think Coleman's very good, but, um, uh, you know, out of he Mostert had 137 carries last year and, and Brady 123 are absent. Like I could easily see out of that, you know, 63, 73 of that going to uh, uh, Mostert, you know, while 
Coleman and McKinnon split the other, you know, 50 of those carries. And if that's the case, you're talking about a guy getting 210 carries in a Kyle Shanahan system. That is just, if Raheem Mostert stays healthy, he's going to be an absolute fantasy stud. Believe that eight touchdowns and 772 yards on 137 carries last year. Yep. The dude's <laughs> yep. Uh, now, uh, the other guy I'm talking about that Steve just referred to is Mark Ingram. What does Mark Ingram got to do to get a little bit of love? <laughs> like, dude was a fourth-round pick last year. Oh, outproduced that that ADP by a ton. Like, I think he was like the 20 to 24th somewhere in there running back selected last year and finished as a top 12 guy. Where, like, how like where, what does this dude got to do to get some respect? <laughs> I mean, every and even when he was with New Orleans, like soul. for sell real, his even soul. when he was with New Orleans, the dude would put up top twenty four numbers, and that was beside Alvin Kamara. Look, I understand they drafted J.K. Dobbins, but J.K. Dobbins is not taking that job from Mark Ingram except for injury. J.K. Dobbins will take Gus Edwards' job, and. More than likely, Mark Ingram's workload is going to be very similar for last year. It's a run-heavy team. That's what they're going to do. They're, you know, they got a, you know, one of the most athletic quarterbacks to ever play the game, and so they're going to use, they're going to adjust to Lamar's skills. Now, I don't know if people think Lamar's going to throw the ball more this year. I don't know if that's what they're planning for, and I do think that that can happen. But let's be real, like Lamar is still not the greatest thrower of the football. Like they're going to win by running the football and playing good defense and surprising defenses when Lamar pulls back and hits Hollywood Brown for a 50 yarder. You know what I mean? So like that's that's how they were successful last year. And it, it to me, it wouldn't make sense at all to change that philosophy. So I, I still see Mark Ingram being an a stud, especially in the fourth round. I have Mark Ingram. Let me see. I have Mark Ingram as my 13th running back. I have DJ Moore as my 11th wide receiver. I have Allen Robinson as my 13th wide receiver. And I have Mostert as my 18th running back. So all those guys in the fourth round are all going to – they're just going to be studs in my opinion. Yeah, and the one thing I will say about Mark Ingram, like like Kev said, the, what else does the guy have to do? Like – 1265 total yards, 15 touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like he averaged he averaged 5 yards a carry. Like the only thing that you can say, right? That people have brought up to me and I I you know, I understand is Marshall Yonda retiring, right? That's the one thing that you could be like, okay, maybe that hurts him. Because honestly, like Kev said, you can't say J.K. Dobbins is going to take carries away from him. Gus Edwards had 133 carries last year. That's all Dobbins right there. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, Gus Edwards ain't getting a carry this year. That's what I'm saying. Like Mark Ingram is still going to have close to 200 touches, if not over 200 touches. Because, And this is the other thing. I think that they could be in the – if you're saying, okay – you know, Marshall Yonda affects this offensive line. Okay, I'll give you that. But all that means to me is they're going to be in more competitive games. Where I was Mark... just going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where there were so Ingram's many games running. last year where all those starters got pulled out of, yeah. of games in like the end of the third quarter, where the fourth quarter stats they didn't even get. Exactly. Imagine if, if you're starting to give Mark Ingram these fourth quarter carries where he's running out the clock. 
it, dude, it doesn't make good. any sense. Listen, guys, like, take the. It, it doesn't even make no sense. Like, I don't think people really understand how good this team was last year, right? <laughs> against against Miami, they scored fifty nine. They scored fifty nine points. Everybody dropped crazy points <laughs> in the beginning of the year on Miami. Though. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then after that, right? They still scored 30 against Seattle, 37 against the New England Patriots, 49 uh-huh. against the Bengals, 41 against the Houston Texans, 45 against the Rams. Those games are all consecutive, right? 42 <laughs> against the Jets, 31 against the Cleveland Browns. 20 that's, that's their least. Yeah, I mean, like, these scores are outrageous. So if you're telling me that they're going to be in more competitive games, that just means to me that Mark Ingram's going to get more touches. Like, that, that that's all that says to me. Like, and, and I didn't tell you what the, what the other teams scored, right? 59 to 10, 30 to 16, 37 to 20, 49 to 13, 41 to 7, 45 to 6. <laughs> you know what I mean? 42 to 21. Like, these were not close. They were not competitive games. Like, so to me, 221 touches was like Mark Ingram's floor last year. If he can get up to 225 touches and let's say, you know, he stays right around. I'm not even going to give him more catches. I'll keep the catches the same. Let's say he still stays around 25 catches this season. He's going to be a top a top running back that people are taking late in the fourth round, fourth almost round. fifth round. It, it's, I don't get it, but whatever. We'll continue. All right. Uh, do you want to get into DK at all? I'll get into DK real quick. Like, to me, it's very simple. Russell Wilson is the best deep ball thrower in all of football, period. Like, he's been that way for the past, since he came into the league. Like, just look up the stats. I know people hear that and they go, I don't know. Look up the stats. Russell Wilson, there's nobody that throws the deep ball better than Russell Wilson over his career as, a, as an NFL starter. So get the stats, just watch them throw it. <laughs> exactly. So to me, you know, when you have a guy that throws the prettiest deep ball, you know, and, and is constantly getting 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns. And you have a guy like DK Metcalf who's six, four and can run like the wind. I mean, at 200 and whatever, 30 pounds, it's, it's a recipe for just, him being amazing and you're getting him at the end of the fourth round and he's going to be a guy I have a lot. All right. Now we're going to move on to the fifth round. Um, I'll start it off in the fifth round because I'm going to go with the other Seattle wide receiver. And that is Tyler Lockett. Uh, last year, if you remember before Tyler Lockett got injured, I think he was like the number three fantasy wide receiver in PPR. Dude was getting targeted, target numbers out the, out the, out the ass Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson was looking for him constantly I think that they're going to throw the ball a lot more this year I don't think that they're just going to be run 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 so heavy because they're I mean let's face it they're talking about adding Antonio Brown now that's obviously going to change my opinion of Tyler Lockett and probably change Steve's opinion of DK Metcalf but if you add Antonio Brown to this team I might catapult Russell Russell to my number one quarterback yep and that is not even a joke yeah so I'm just saying like but you know, going back to Tyler Lockett, you know, I do think they're going to pass the ball a lot more. I think that they're, you know, basically going to give both of these receivers opportunities to be, you know, top 20 guys. I, you know, if you look at where they were last year, you know, DK Metcalf can't came on kind of strong at the end, but 
If you look at his projections for the last four or five, six games in a year, combined with what Lockard did for the whole year, both of those guys are are still finishing top 20. Um, I think getting Tyler Lockett in the fifth round, I think it's the sixth pick in the fifth. Yeah, that's just that's ridiculous. I have Tyler Lockett as my number 14 receiver right behind Allen Robinson. So you guys can already tell how I feel about this one. He's not making He's another guy. He's not making it to the fifth round in my drafts because I'll take him in the fourth. There's times I'll even take him in at the end of the third if I need to. Yep. I can't, I can't really add too much more. I, you know what I mean? Everybody knows I was super high on Tyler Lockett last year. Um, you know, I was calling him a, a top 12 guy last year. And honestly, I don't think that much changed, you know, with within the past year, other than DK Metcalf showed that he was really good at football. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's literally the one thing that changed. And to me, that doesn't hurt Tyler Lockett. That helps him. You know what I mean? Now he has somebody else to take, take, you know, some pressure off. Like you can't mm-hmm. just focus on Tyler Lockett because guess what? If you do, you know what I mean? Now you have to worry about DK Metcalf running running down the field, you know, loose on you all game long. So, you know, I don't I don't really see how people think that's a hindrance. You know what I mean? It doesn't really that's one of those things that really doesn't make sense to me when people bring that up, like, oh, DK Metcalf was so good last year. He was amazing. Like I, I, I get it. <laughs> I understand, but it, it doesn't change the fact that Tyler Lockett was just as amazing. You know what I mean? Like Tyler Lockett, if you remember, he had some games where he was just awesome. There's no other way to say it. He was really, really good for your fantasy team. And people want to, you know, make the comparison and they want to say, okay, you know, this guy was, was good, you know, because whatever. But if you look at if you look at the game logs, right, of these two players, really, so let's just do that real quick. And, and that's, the, that's the easy easy way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So against Tampa Bay, week nine, the DK Metcalf gets six, I mean, nine targets, six catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown, right? If you go to Tyler Lockett's week nine stats, Tyler Lockett. 18 targets, 13 <laughs> catches, and 152 yards and two touchdowns. Exactly. Mind so, you, that's Tampa Bay. We'll give you. We gotta we'll give, throw but that it was in. the thing. Tampa Bay wasn't terrible last year on defense. Their defense was actually Their okay. Rush defense yeah. was, was was good. Their pass defense. Their pass defense was was you know not the greatest, but definitely you know they were a better defense than they were a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, like for me, that's that's pretty good. Then the next. <laughs> pretty good that's amazing if you have both those guys starting you you won your fantasy week right all right so the next week we could look at is week 14 right so in week 14 tyler lockett uh 100 120 yards nine targets eight catches 120 yards and a touchdown right dk metcalf on that same week 14 uh had Two catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown. So it's not a great week for him, but he still got you a touchdown the same week that Tyler Lockett got you a touchdown. So, like I said, I don't think, like, one takes away so much away from the other guy. I mean, if anything, D, you know, DK Metcalf just opens up the field for, for you know, Tyler Lockett, and Tyler Lockett does the same thing for DK Metcalf. Yep. Uh, you got your first guy? Yeah, so my first guy in the fifth round, there's, there's, we're only going to do one guy, right? So I cannot pass up on Keenan Allen in the fifth round because I, you know, <laughs> he's a top 15 guy for me. You know I mean, Kev doesn't agree and I, and I completely understand that. But for me, Keenan Allen has been one of the, 
He's been one of the best receivers in fantasy football. He runs... I think it's really hard for me to say between him and Stefan Diggs, who is a better route runner. Uh, because they're both... They just make defensive backs look silly. They really do. So Keenan Allen just is a guy that has no problem getting open. And if I can get him in the middle of the fifth round, I'm going to do that probably in every draft. I mean... It, to me, it's not it's not even a question. If he's there in round five, that's going to be my pick. All right. Uh, some other honorable mentions, I think, that we've talked about that we both like. We won't really get into them. We you know talked about them before. But Corlin Sutton, DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin are all guys that I'm high on, and I know Steve is high on Stefan Diggs as well in this fifth, fifth round. So, once again, the fifth, fourth and fifth round have, has players that – you know, I think Steve and I are both very fond of. Yep. All right. Now we're going to move into the sixth round. Uh, I'll go first. Brandon Cooks is my guy in the sixth round. Uh, I have Brandon Cooks at wide receiver 29. That may not even be doing him justice uh, because truthfully, I think if this dude stays healthy, him and Deshaun Watson are going to have an unbelievable chemistry because Cooks is a great route runner. He can get deep. But not only does he get deep, he also can do the the 15 yard out route, the you know, the quick slant for for you know five yards. You know, we've seen him with Brady, and you know, not for nothing, Brady's best you know Brady's best season as far as long balls was when Brandon Cook was on his team. Other than of course the Randy Moss year, so you know, in the last 10 years, I guess you can say, but. You know, Brandon Cooks, to me, if you if he stays healthy and I mean, I think that's really the only knock against Brandon Cooks is his health. Every year before that, the dude finishes as a top 20 receiver every year before that. I mean, and I've said before, he's he's blessed because this dude has played with Brady. He's played with Breeze. He's played in Sean McVay's system with, you know, Jared Goff throwing the ball to him. Jared Goff's the number one overall pick. I mean, if Jared Goff is your worst quarterback that you've had in your career, I say you've had it pretty good. You know what I mean? So for me, and that, and now he gets to go play with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, to me, I think Brandon Cooks, you know, barring health, is going to probably finish as a top 20 receiver. And if that's the case, I think in the sixth round, he's going to be huge for fantasy teams. Yep, I agree. I I love Cooks. And I mean, I just, I love Cooks as a player. I love Cooks as a person. I just, I love this dude. So I completely agree. It's one of those, it's one of those that me and Kev completely agree on. It's no question. Now, my guy, and I know this is probably going to be a little bit surprising, but my guy is Darius Geis. I am, yeah, I am taking Darius Geis in the sixth round in like every one of my mock drafts. He's falling to like the sixth round and I'm taking him there like every time. I I think this is finally the year where he stays healthy and shows just how good he is because I think a lot of the I like I think a lot of people don't realize that him and Saquon came out the same year and there was people saying that Darius Geis was better than Saquon Barkley which I do not agree with I was not one of those people but there were people making that argument that Darius Geis was a better you know all around runner than Saquon Barkley. I think people Barkley. just talk to hear themselves talk sometimes though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they were saying that I think the main argument they were kind of saying was that he's a better running back yeah. than Saquon and Saquon is just a better pass catcher out of the backfield which yeah I mean it, to me that's not 
that's not the case either way. That's I think accurate. Saquon is generational talent. He's he's literally probably the best running back in the NFL. Period. Uh, you know, if if you give Saquon the amount of touches that Christian McCaffrey had last year, the dude might have the greatest season of all time. Honestly, if I yeah, and that's how th- how good I think this kid is. But Darius Geis, if he stays healthy for sixteen weeks, he showed you last year that he could be really productive in games where he gets, you know, a good amount of touches and Adrian Peterson ain't getting no damn younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like AP is old as dirt at this point. And I love AP. I'm a huge AP fan, but at this point in his career, to me, it's not, it's not a question of, you know, how long he's going to go. It's when he's going, I don't to even know if AP is making the team this year. I know. It's, I, I, I think this could finally be the year that, you know, this, he was just saying he wanted to play four more years. Yeah, I think it's going to be on another team. Yeah, you're not lying. I, I really, you know, if he, if AP wants to continue his career, I, yeah, more power to you, brother. But you know, they just got to, they just got to put them move. I don't want to say put themselves in a better position, but they just got to move forward, man. Like yeah. start, start, the, like see what guys has, see what Antonio Gibson has, see what Bryce Love has, you know. Like don't 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 let me see Peyton Barber out there at all getting carries. We know what Peyton Barber yeah. is. He stinks. Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like we trash. You know what I mean? We we know what um you know JD McKissick. JD McKissick is pretty much just a a scat back. I and mean, nothing yep. nothing big like let's see what these other guys got and like I said, you know, let let AP go Go find someone else. I honestly would love AP on the Eagles. I think he'd per- be the perfect compliment. Yeah, for my I Anderson. agree with that. I would like <laughs> to see him on the Eagles. That would that would be a good complimentary piece. Um, but yeah, like I was saying with Geis, for me, you know, he didn't see a game where he had more than ten attempts all season long, right? No. But in the games that he had ten attempts, he played against the Eagles, who we all know was probably a top three defensive line against stopping the run. They they were awesome last year. He played the Jets, got seven carries for 24 yards. You know what I mean? You can't – the Jets were a good – you know what I mean? A good defense stopping the run last year. They weren't good all around, but they were good stopping the run. He played against Detroit, another good defense, again, stopping the run after they got, you know, Snacks Harrison. And then, to me, the game where he actually got to be able to show what he can do was against Carolina, 10 carries, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. Like I think that was the game he got hurt, or maybe he got hurt the next week. Yeah, it was the very next week against Green okay. Bay. But in that game against Green Bay, which we all know was a pretty good run defense last year, he had no, five. They carries. were terrible against the run. Oh, they were bad against yeah. the run. Yeah, I thought yeah, they were they, good. that was their that was their Achilles heel. Because remember, he moster rushed for. Oh yeah, yards. yeah, yeah. He killed them. <laughs> they were bad oh against yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought they were middle of the pack now. But now that you say that, yeah, that that definitely that definitely was the deal. But against Green Bay, he had five for forty-two. So. To me, if if he can stay healthy, right, and he can get into that 15, you know, touch per game week, 20 touch per game week that you're getting him in the sixth round, uh, I I think that could be awesome. That could be that could be game changing. You get Raheem Mostart in the in the in the fourth round, and then the fifth round, I mean the sixth round, you're getting Geis, and they both play as the dominant, you know, touching, you know, the guy who touches the ball. Your team might be ridiculous. Yeah, I hope Darius got I I mean, I, I'm a big Darius Geis fan, so I hope that he I hope that he has that breakout year. You know, t- to me, you know, um getting him in the 6th round is probably the perfect position like 6th, 7th round because at that point, 
Like, to be honest, when, like, I don't like a, a lot of people just draft and try to fill their starting lineup. I don't think, you know, experienced fantasy football players necessarily do that. I think that, you know, experienced fantasy football players try to just add more depth. And, you know, if they, first off, you're not getting an experienced fantasy football player and taking a quarterback in the first six rounds, unless the only one I'm taking in the first, the only quarterback I'm taking in the first six rounds is Russell Wilson. I don't ever get Mahomes or Jackson because I won't take one that early. And I take Russell because I think Russell is going to be a monster. And I will, that's, and the highest I will go on him is, or yeah, the highest I will go on him is round six. So if there's guys that I am not fond of, I'll take Russell in round six. But other than that, I don't draft a quarterback that high. Yep. And like I said, you're just filling in depth. We've talked about tight ends and how if we don't get a top tight end, we wait on tight end. So basically, if if you don't get a top tight end, you don't get a quarterback, you're just basically filling your team with wide receiver and running back depth. And I think Darius Geis in the sixth round is a perfect shot to take because obviously we know that he can flame out. It's happened the past two years, but he also has the ability to break loose to me this year. And if he's healthy, you know, like he tore his ACL, Two years ago, last year, he had the knee issues, which we've said, like you come back from an ACL, you have hamstring issues. You, you know, your other muscles are catching up to your body. So, you know, to me, the third year, you know, second year after an ACL is usually when guys perform better. And I think guys this year uh, is going to enter that, that time. Yep. I agree. All right. Seventh round. Uh, Why don't you start the seventh round? All right, so I'll, my guy, <laughs> Kevin's going to laugh at this one because I think I've been a Jarvis Landry truther since the guy, since the guy came I into was, the league. I was, dude, I have the same player. I'm looking like, dude, he's been a top 24 receiver every year. Dude, he's amazing. Like, I don't... I just don't get it. Like, people used to laugh at me at our drafts, Kev. You remember? They'd be like, oh, here goes Darvis Landry pick. Because I used to take Jarvis Landry all the time. Because the dude, I don't care that he's on a bad offense. The dude was getting a million targets. Like, just give me the targets, right? With Odell Beckham on his team last year. We're talking about one of the best wide receivers in a decade. In Odell Beckham. He out-targeted him. 138 (laughs) targets to 133. Right. Not only did he out target him by target him by five targets, but he caught almost 10 more balls, 83 to 74. Right. He had 1174 yards, which he was he was point one better per catch than than Odell Beckham. And you're taking Odell Beckham in the, the damn third round, beginning of the third round. Like, give me all of Jarvis Landry in the seventh round, period. Like. He scored more touchdowns than Odell. You know what I mean? Like he he just was it's a, almost the same. It's almost the same argument for Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> like if like if there was no CD Lamb, yeah, you'd be taking Michael Gallup right now. Like you'd be like, give me all Michael Gallup. Like the only thing that I think it hurts Michael Gallup is, at least in ADP, is his is. You know, C.D. Lamb being drafted, but people are drafting Amari Cooper in the third round, Michael Gallup in the seventh round, and these guys had the same exact stats last year. Exactly. And and, and when do you see Jarvis Landry get hurt? How often does Jarvis Landry miss games? Almost never. I don't think he's missed an NFL game. I I have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure he's never missed a game. 
So you're telling me you're going to take Odell Beckham, who has missed a bunch of games, like a lot of games, over Jarvis Landry, who was better than he was last year? Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I Odell is is a better player than Jarvis. He gets that all day. But never missed a game in his career, bro. Never I'm missed a game. At now, 16 games every – 16 games played every year. That's what I, I mean. I know. That can't be right. Because remember that first year with Cleveland, we talked about how Tyrod didn't target him at all, or he didn't have any stats. But yeah, I does. think I don't. I think he left the game early, but he started that game. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, like to me, the guy doesn't misplay, right? He's as safe as you can get in the seventh round. The dude had a hundred. Like, I'm gonna say it again: a hundred and thirty-eight targets. You're getting a hundred and thirty-eight targets. In the seventh round of your fantasy football league, please, please do yourself a favor and take Jarvis Landry in the seventh round. And the last thing I will say about this is Jarvis had 138. Odell had 133. And there was no other player on the team that had 50 targets. So these are the two main focus of Baker Mayfield. They're the only guys he's throwing the ball to, basically. So do yourself a favor. Take Jarvis Landry in the seventh round. Yeah, honestly, you know, going back to what you just said, you know, they have Kevin Stefanski brought in, and Kevin Stefanski runs a lot of two tight end sets. We saw that in Minnesota. But those two tight ends, Rudolph and Irv Smith, did not get targeted very much. So I wouldn't expect Austin Hooper and David Njoku to just have a crazy amount of targets. It's not what the system does. The system looks for those two wide receivers, and it hits the running back out of the backfield a ton, which is why Kareem Hunt could be very good in PPR this year. Because if you look at what he did at the end of last year, and you add this system where you know, it's pretty much look look to your two receivers. If they're not there, check it down to your running back. It's pretty much what the system is. You know, Dalvin Cook was on pace for, I think, 60-something, 60 67 catches last year. So, like, you know, to me, I agree. You know, Jarvis Landry, give me all of that in the seventh round. Um, since that was my guy, I'm going to give one other guy, and Steve might jump through the computer and choke me when I say it, but Ronald <laughs> Jones. No, I, I like that pick. Okay, I was going to say Ronald Jones. Jones. I think Ronald he's super Jones under. Like, in past years, I I, I would have jumped over the screen and choked <laughs> you because he was going early. But at this point, I think he's right where he needs to go. And if he doesn't pan out for you in the seventh round, he's not killing you. People were no. taking him in the fourth and fifth round last year. And that was like, dude, what are you doing? Dude, Ronald Jones in the seventh round with this offense, no competition. Like, Keyshawn Vaughn, let me state this again. Keyshawn Vaughn is... This year's Darrell Henderson. Remember how everybody got so hyped up? Oh, my God, the Rams drafted Darrell Henderson in the third round. He's going to take so much work away from Todd Gurley. This is going to be – we barely saw Darrell Henderson on the field. Barely saw Darrell Henderson. We saw Malcolm Brown a ton compared to, to Darrell Henderson. This year, Keyshawn Vaughn is that guy. <laughs> he's, he's just – everybody's talking, Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn. And it's like – yeah, but Bruce Arians don't really like rookies. And even David Johnson in his rookie year did not start off. He was behind Chris Johnson for a long time before he even saw some work. So, you know, to me in the seventh round, you know, Ronald Jones, you know, if 
especially if they're not adding anybody else to this backfield. I know there's talk about, you know, Devontae Freeman, but he they don't seem to, you know, want to come up to his price tag. There is other veterans, Lamar Miller, Isaiah Crowell, guys like that. But, you know, to me, if they don't add nobody to this backfield and you're walking in with Ronald Jones, Keyshawn, like, give me all of Ronald Jones. Because I don't even think Keyshawn Vaughn is the other guy. I think, if anything, it's going to be uh, – what's his name? Dari Ngubawale. Yeah, I think it's going to be Dari Ngubawale that's going to be their scat bag with Ronald Jones being the the power and run, power running back. Yep. And let's just look at some of the past history of Tom Brady's power run games with Sony Michelle and LeGarrette Blunt. Do we not for, remember LeGarrette Blunt had an 18 touchdown season? Like, I'm not drafting Ronald Jones because I think he's going to be a 1,200 yard. You know, nah, he's in the seventh round for a reason. I'm drafting Ronald Jones because I think he has double digit touchdown upside just playing in this offense. If they get to the goal line, he is the big back that's going to get the goal line work. I think, like I said, double-digit touchdown upside, and if you're getting that in the seventh round, that is gold. Yep, and the only thing that I can really add to that is on our website, we do a little, basically, they're, they're graphs and charts. We call it the cheat codes, right? And basically gives you the percentages of touches and it gives you it gives you a whole bunch of stuff right so and you know the one thing that you can see when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that Ronald Jones was not only the best running back there last year but it really wasn't close if you look at the numbers like if you just look at the numbers it wasn't close. And nah. the, and for some reason, you know, I don't know if he's hard-headed or what the case is. I don't know. But he wasn't getting all the touches that he should have been getting. Because when you look at the numbers, he was just so much better than, you know, Barber and everybody else that was there. They, I mean, even Ogunbowale, you know, was not very good last year. But like Kev said, on this team with Tom Brady, you know what I mean, and Gronk. And Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and OJ Howard. I mean, all these freaking weapons on the outside. Who do you defend? Like, do you, do you stack the box ever against that? You know that skill players, those skill players. No, never. <laughs> Ronald Jones was good last year. You know what I mean? And Jameis Winston was terrible. He was horrible, horrible. So. You know, to me, I think it's very simple, you know, you know, to me, as long as they don't bring in another name where you're like, oh man, I got to worry about this guy. Ronald Jones is going to be very good. The dude had 203 touches last year, right? (laughs) And Peyton Barber had 170 and they weren't even close in yards. You know what I mean? Like it was, man, it's just, to me, Ronald Jones is going to be very good if he's the main running back on this team this year. Yeah, and and the freedom that Tom Brady's going to have is just um it's going to be way different than Jameis Winston. Like J- Tom Brady's going to read a defense and get up there and say, "All right, I have this look. This plays well against my pass, but the run is going to be open. He's going to check to the run." There's good- a lot of teams with better quarterbacks do that. They give them two plays in the huddle. 
and the quarterback gets to the line and they decide, all right, is this going to be a run play? Is this going to be a pass play? And to me, Brady, like they're going to have to guard that pass so much that that, that rushing lanes are just going to be open. I think Ronald Jones is going to be a steal in the seventh round. And I was never, I never thought he was a good running back, but with Tom Brady and all those other weapons, I mean, it just, 172 touches to 154 between the two, right? Ronald Jones had 18 more touches. That's it. He had 724 yards to Peyton Barber's 470. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's almost a knock against Bruce Arians for not for giving Peyton Barber the ball. Honestly, dude, 250 more, 254 more yards than Peyton Barber on only 18 less catches. I mean carries. That's that's stupid. He should have had at least 200. You know what I mean? He should have had 225 touches to Peyton Barber's 100 because Peyton Barber's horrible. Yeah. All right. So now let's move into the eighth round. Uh, I'll let you start it off in the eighth round here. There's right. a couple guys I see, and yeah. I know I'm pretty sure who I know you're going to go for. So I want to see if I, if it's say if it's who I'm thinking about. All right. So there's actually two guys here. That I really like. Are they back to back? They are no, no. not back to back. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> yeah, they're not back to back. But there's two guys here that I really like. The first is Will Fuller, and the other one is Matt Breda, right? Oh, hey, not, not neither one of those guys are were guys that I thought you were referring to. Yeah. So this is my thing. If Will Fuller, and I know we say this every year. And stay but healthy. <laughs> if he can stay healthy, this dude is a top 24 wide receiver. You're getting in round eight, right? Like, we see it. Like, every year this guy has games where he just blows up. And he's damn consistent when he has Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball. Like, it, it, just look at the years. And now I know. And the reason I'm not going to pick him, I am going to go at Matt Breda. But I will just say my quick piece. Right. The reason that I like him so much is because I do think one of these seasons he's going to play 16. <laughs> and if this is the season and I'm getting him in the eighth round, I'm going to be real happy about it. But now <laughs> let me get to Matt Breda. You can't tell me that Matt Breda is not way more talented than Jordan Howard. If you just look at the way both of these guys play football, the one knock on Matt Breida that you can take away from him is the dude always gets hurt. Literally, he he's he's in there for every game, but he leaves at halftime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it don't make no sense. But what I will say is, Jordan Howard is just, he is a plotter. He's a guy that can get you the hard yards, which is why I think the Eagles should have kept him. You know I mean, I think the Eagles should have re-signed Ryan, I mean, Jordan Howard, without a doubt, because he's the perfect complement to what Miles Sanders is. You know what I mean? He's a guy that can take 125 carries away from Miles Sanders, so Miles Sanders is not getting beat up. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do for the Miami Dolphins. I think, the, I think Matt Breda is going to be the higher touch guy because I do think he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick does, you know, it's not crazy often, but he does use the backs out of the backfield, especially when he gets in trouble. So, you know, I think Matt Breida is probably a 40 catch guy. 
and probably another 100, 125 carries. I think they kind of split the carries right in half. And I think Matt Breed is the way more talented guy. So I'll take the way more talented guy at the end of the eighth round over the guy that, you know, could have 150 carries and basically no touch, no, no receptions at all, period. Yeah, my only issue with Breda is I just don't see a lot of touchdown upside because I think that's – I don't think anybody's taking that job away from Jordan Howard. He's honestly been one of the best running backs in the league about you know over the last you know, four years. Is That's kind of his job is a goal line back. It's all he really does well. Everything else is like three yards and four-yard carries. But that's my one issue with Matt Breda, but I do think Matt Breda could be a good pick in the eighth round. Um, my guy is actually Tyler Boyd. Um, <laughs> Tyler Boyd's another guy like every, like, you know, AJ green is obviously still there. AJ green. Number one has not signed his franchise t- tender yet. And number two never stays, has not been able to stay healthy for two years. And when he does not stay healthy, we've been able to see Tyler Boyd be a top 24 wide receiver. And in past years, when AJ green was healthy, Tyler Boyd was just as good as when Tyler, when AJ green is not healthy. So, you know, to me, you know, Boyd was a guy I, I had on teams last year and two years ago and loved every minute of it. You know, the guy just produces and, you know, I understand it's a different system that they're that he's playing in, but if you look what Justin Jefferson did out of the slot for LSU, and we know that Tyler Boyd plays in the slot for Cincinnati, I think it's safe to say that Joe Burrow is going to use Tyler Boyd a lot, and getting him in the eighth round, I'll take it all day. Yep, there's really no nothing really that you need to add. The 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 one <laughs> thing I will say is. Do you think Joe Burrow is better than Andy Dalton? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, if, to me, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Because if you believe that Joe Burrow is better than Andy Dalton, which I I have my hand raised. I don't know if anybody can see it other than Kev. But I have my hand raised. He's much better than Andy Dalton. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's it's as simple as that. The better quarterback will be throwing to both of those guys who are not even close to most targeted guys on the team. Yeah, and to be honest, I've I've never like fantasy football calculator. I think their their ADPs kind of get a little screwed up sometimes. Like I said before or earlier, you know what I mean? Because I do think Tyler Boyd. I had never really seen him go In the this round. late. Usually, it's like the seventh round, sixth round where he's getting drafted, end of the sixth or some point in the seventh. So, but if he's there in the eighth round, like this ADP says, then I'm snatching him. The dude had 148 targets last year. I don't think even people like realize that he had 148 targets last year. And the year before that, I think he was in the 130 range. So even with AJ green being there, I think AJ Green's probably going to be, you know, 140 target guy also, but I don't think Tyler Boyd drops down to like 80 targets the way some people are thinking. I think he still stays in like the 120 range. So all day. Yep. All right, let's move on to the ninth round. All right, so um, you want to go first, Kev? You want me to go first? I mean, I have, I, I'll have. i just say this. I'm not even going to pick him just because everybody knows how I feel about him. But Marvin <laughs> Jones in the ninth round? Come on, guys. He's, he's, he's number 24 wide receiver in, in PPR last year. I understand a lot of that was because he had like 12 catches for 100-something yards and four touchdowns in one game last year. So I understand that that kind of adjusts his stats. But, man, dude, with, with Matthew Stafford – 
Marvin Jones has the wide receiver two potential. So I'll just say right off the bat, I'm just that I said my piece on Marvin Jones. Nope, because he's gonna be my guy. But go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, I'll honestly say Philip Lindsay because I do think they're going to use Philip Lindsay a lot. We talked about this. I think that I don't think he's going anywhere. And Melvin misses games just about every year. And on top of that, Melvin Gordon, just to be honest, has not produced as well as Philip Lindsay has. You know, Philip Lindsay's like a four and a half, five yard per carry guy. Melvin Gordon's. Lucky if he can reach four. And I think Philip Lindsay's one of those guys that's going to be. Uh, I'm trying to think of a guy that I can compare him to. Uh, I, we could compare him to Austin Eckler, I guess. Like, I don't think he's going. He didn't start. He's not going to start for first four games of the season and show how good he was. But, you know, for those last 12 games, we clearly saw that Austin Eckler was outperforming Melvin Gordon, but they still just kept giving Melvin Gordon the ball. But guess what? Austin Eckler was still very, very, very relevant in fantasy. And I think the Denver is going to be the same way. I, I, they were using both of these guys last year. You know, they used, you know, or I'm sorry, they used Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay last year. They, they went with a dual running back system, you know, to me, like I know they say that uh, uh, Pat Shermer, they, you know, they, he's the offensive coordinator now, and he runs mostly a one running back system. I get it, but I think you're just going to see that Philip Lindsay's just a better playmaker. Like I said, the guy's averaging four and a half, five yards a carry, and you're getting Melvin Gordon, who's four yards per carry. You know, I think that he that Philip Lindsay is going to be a potential flex play. I don't want to say every week, but, you know, bye weeks for sure. Yeah, so I am going to go with Marvin Jones because, to me, <sighs> Kevin has been preaching Marvin Jones for, like, the past. Me and Kevin have been doing this podcast. I don't think people realize how long we've been doing this. We've actually been <laughs> doing this for four years, right? The podcast is actually start, starting to get popular <laughs> over, the past, <laughs> over the past two, right? But... We have been doing this for the past four years, and every year Kev says Marvin Jones. And to me, he's always right. The guy always <laughs> finishes in the top, like, 24 wide receivers. And people just – so so I am going to give him the due justice that he deserves, right? The guy it, – it, like, the numbers are almost crazy, when you think about it, he was the third highest targeted player on the team at 91 targets. He had, so that's 19% of the targets of guys who saw at least 20 targets on the season, right? Because that's how we do our breakdowns. Because anybody who gets less than 17 targets really is not, is really not relevant in fantasy football, period, right? And really, we could bring it up to 50, but we like to do the 20 because it just puts more stats and lets people see the numbers a little bit better, right? So of guys who saw at least 20 targets on the team, he was 19% of the total targets. Kenny Dolliday was 24% of the total targets. Receptions on the season, Kenny Dolliday was 25% of the total receptions for guys who saw at least 20 receptions, and Marvin Jones was 24%. They were literally a percent off from each other. And Kenny Galladay saw, what did he see? Uh, 25 more targets on the season. That's a lot. That's a lot of targets. 
The one area that Kenny Galladay dominated Marvin Jones, and which is why, to me, Kenny Galladay is a top six wide receiver, is Kenny Galladay had 1,190 yards, and Marvin Jones only had 779 on three less tar- on three less receptions. So that's why you're taking Kenny Galladay where you're taking him. But, but Marvin Jones does not belong in the ninth round, period. The dude had 779 yards, which was 21% of the, of the, you know, total yards. When you look at guys who had at least 150 receiving yards. And then when you look at touchdowns, and this is where the, it really gets crazy that I'm like, why the hell is this guy going in the ninth round inside the 10 yard line, which is where most guys get their fantasy stats. The guys who have like really good fantasy stats are guys who dominate in this area of the field within the 10 yard line. Marvin Jones saw nine targets, six catches, and had five touchdowns. He only caught the ball one time inside the 10 and didn't score a touchdown. (laughs) Right? Kenny Galladay saw 13 targets, seven receptions, and six touchdowns. He had four more targets, one more reception, and had only one more touchdown. To me, Marvin Jones is as safe as you are going to get in the ninth round. And people just constantly let him fall he should be a seventh round wide receiver just with the numbers that he's put up over the past four years with these you know Detroit Lions and if Matthew Stafford stays healthy for 16 games that's what the a lot of people don't realize Matthew Stafford didn't play you know what I mean what six games he was out for six games like six or seven last year yeah six or seven games he missed last year right so if you're getting if you're getting a 16-week Matthew Stafford, which he did for whatever, eight years in a row, right? Marvin Jones is going to be awesome. And so is Kenny Galladay, and this team is going to be awesome. I'm going to have a lot of lines on my team next year. Well, this year. Yep. Uh, anybody else you want to get into? I think that's it for the ninth round, and that'll kind of be the end for the end of the podcast. Yep. I like. I think we, we gave some good mid-round you know, middle of the draft guys that that we like, and you know what? Like, like I said, the fourth and fifth round is kind of packed with guys really that is. I think could be really good. It really you know? is. So, uh, Monday we will be back. We're going to do a mock draft on Monday. What do you think, Steve? How should we do it? Should we do it like we did it last time, where we take one team, or do you each want to take a team? Uh, let's make it fun. Let's each take a team. Try to compete All right, against so each we each other. Take a team. Yeah, all right. So we each take a team. Uh, I'm actually going to do – I actually got something fun. We can pick our draft positions too on Monday. I could got a fun oh, go. way of doing it. Cool. So, all right. And uh, until then, peace out, guys. Peace.